1: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com/iheart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
0: hello
2: and welcome to the friday fun show around the nfl's guide to sunday and beyond dan hans is here from the home studio joining me greg rosenthal mark Sessler, and the great patrick Claybon.
3: nice foursome here like it <sighs> First uh, time we've had a guest here on the Friday Fun Show. I don't know if Claibon is ready to bring the requisite fun, but he looks he looks ready. No, oh, he doesn't look ready well, at all. The sound is not, he, he's also manning a small child. So let's see how this
2: goes. I know he's got multiple duties i mean the answer there's your answer greg uh is claybon ready for the fun we haven't heard him yet but he's gonna work through the tech there's nothing but fun here guys. there he is
1: this is
2: (laughs) this is all we
1: have um we we got some spelling games going on this is this is fun this is i love it
2: this is what you need here on the friday fun show this is what the people have been missing the doctor ordered this people think that the idea of having young children and constant responsibility is not fun well, you know, plug in because it is a ball. Um, and yes, the reason why, if, if this is a regular podcast, we might stop down and say, oh, we're going to get Patrick's uh, audio working and then we'll start the show. No, but this is live. That's part of the fun. It's a high wire act, Cessler, And uh, we are here with all the listeners from uh, America and abroad. So thank you to everybody that's on right now. The numbers are going up higher and higher. Cessler, do you have any butterflies when we're in a true live environment?
4: Uh, Yes. I mean, even though we just um, are about a week removed from doing a live show in front of real people, it's this production that gets me very nervous. Um, I'm not sure what to say next. I'm just going to deal with it on a minute by minute basis.
2: I get a little nervous about uh, the future of our company after Thursday Night Football, um, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But also we're going to have our predictions uh, for week five at the end of the show and also, you know, a constant rebranding, a shifting, as we figure out, like Friday Fun Show, working title, that's clear. Um, Our new spotlight segment, same spotlight segment with a new name, so that's a little tease, get ready. I mean, Greg, pinch
3: yourself. I mean, one of the commenters says after Thursday Night Football, another pandemic might sound like fun. (laughs) I mean, that's going a little too far. So if you're
2: uh, live with us right now, send in your questions during the show. We uh, will hit some of those throughout the episode. But let's start, yes, as we must, because this job isn't always fun. Just like rearing children, not always fun. There's responsibility. And talking about the American football game played on Thursday is an example. Let's go. Surveys, good protection, slides, fires, broken up in the end zone. Gilmore on Sutton. So the Defensive Player of the Year a couple of years back, and somehow, someway, the Indianapolis Colts, who took their first lead of the game on that field goal, pull out a 12-9 victory. Al Michael speaks for us all on Amazon. Uh, the final call on Russell Wilson's incompletion. In which he missed an open KJ Hamler, try to stick it into Cortland Sutton, but Steph Gilmore said, No sir. Final score, Colts twelve, Broncos nine, overtime win for the Colts, somehow, impossibly, Engraver's like, are you kidding me? I'm trying to win the AFC South over here. And I got the Colts picking up these garbage wins to stay afloat as they try to figure themselves out. Let's get to the Broncos in a bit, because I know in some ways they're the more compelling <laughs> it story. But uh, Pat, let's start with the Colts here because Uh, it couldn't be as it couldn't be any more ugly on offense. And yet they found a way with some help from the quarterback on the other side, of
1: course. Yeah, you you go into a game without Jonathan Taylor. You lose an offensive lineman. Patrick Sertan has MPJ in absolute incarceration. Uh, There's there's just nothing to offer other than some Alec Pierce. A lot of Alec Pierce. Uh, Matt Ryan was chucking and ducking. He had one super weird fadeaway throw. Oh, that was sad barely cross the line of scrimmage where it's like oh like I don't know guys I don't I don't know what we're doing here uh there was so much excitement coming into the season and now it's like Matt are are you okay like I was legitimately worried for can I
2: just say to that Patrick like I know exactly the throw you're talking about and that was the one where I think I went to Twitter and I said we got to get Matt Ryan in a broadcast booth stat because this feels like it's (laughs) it's setting up for disaster It
1: was. It was. It barely reached. It barely crossed the line of scrimmage. Like it was almost intentional grounding, and and there was there was no reason for it. It was like a, like a, kind of like fade away, flying kick, throwaway (laughs) that was just so awkward and uncomfortable. And that's that's how they won the game. It was awkward and uncomfortable. They almost turned the ball over two times on the game winning drive, but because it was just it was not going right. The Broncos were hemorrhaging hemorrhaging defensive players, and Russ was just it was a bad rust game it was a bad rust game uh, A horrible arguably the worst game he's ever played in his career and and, and that's what happened he should have run the ball in fourth and one because um, there was so much conversation. It's like, oh, Nathaniel Hackett, you, you paid the quarterback all this money. You, you gotta, and so it's like, yeah, okay. So here we're going to throw the ball. like Just run, just run the ball. It's fourth and one. I, I,
3: I think that was absolutely a reaction from week one and all the criticism. Although Hackett was quick to point out after the game, we gave Russell Wilson the option to run or pass there. And the run look he thought wasn't great, despite the fact that they ran the ball fantastic their last couple of drives. That was what was lost on it. Like, Russell Wilson hit on a fourth down that they went for the drive before, before he threw that interception that should have won the game. And up until that fourth down, like, they had run the ball straight down the field and they they had moved the ball down the field there. There were so many, like, unbelievably ugly moments where Russell Wilson doesn't see the other receivers. But the game was so bad that you're, you're talking about here, Dan, that after the game, even the next day, Frank Reich was like, I didn't know how to feel about it. Like, you just won a game. You're 2 2 and 1. You're about, you know, people are worrying about you getting fired. And even Frank Reich is like, I don't know. That was so bad. I actually don't know how to feel about a last second comeback from the jaws of defeat victory. Like, Frank Reich couldn't even enjoy it. I mean, I thought, Dan, you you tweeted this, and I could not agree more
4: visually that Frank Reich, um, it's probably this season, but I thought from the first quarter through overtime, aged visually about seven years. I mean, he suddenly looked like an old man. And I mean, Quentin Nelson called it a disgusting effort. And Matt Ryan talked about how he's just simply exhausted after the game. I mean, it's hard. You can look at either side and say, I don't know which uh, team was more visually unappealing, but there's no stakes for the Colts in my book. What's happening with Russell Wilson and the Broncos is... What do you mean there's I'm, no stakes? They're 2-2-1? I mean, two, two they're trying to the save jobs? Here's the thing. I'm saying, like, in general, the Colts, I th- I've said all along, I think the Colts are like a good but not great team. I don't even think they're good. So I'm not really concerned about their um, final destination, but the Broncos experience and that there's nothing greater than the cutaways to the fans in the stands like last night and every one of these games that are just like, this is what you sold us all off season. Like, Who's, who's at fault here? This is like utter dumbness from at the outer reaches. Like it's the most unwatchable football product we've seen in years w- in Denver. and That's saying something.
2: I, I think that was one of the, it's certainly in the conversation for the worst primetime game I could remember. Um, and I thought, I was thinking about it, when it was through, and we'll get to more of the fan stuff a little bit later in the show, but when it was through, you got this sense that in terms of Denver's Uh, where they're at as a team, even when it looked like they were going to win the game, because the Colts were totally lost on offense. You could tell the Broncos and the fans on the sideline, no one was happy, but it's like, we're going to win this game, but we're not going to feel any better about ourselves. And there's going to be a lot of questions. And then when Russ throws the second pick, which was brutal, and they give up the field goal to tie it, and then can't get a stop in overtime and then can't match it. That's kind of the worst type of loss you could have because there's two type of brutal regular season losses. Let's keep it knocked out of the playoffs and week 18 out of it. But there's the one where you suffer some type of catastrophic injury to one of your best players and then you work your way through a game and you lose the game on top of it. And then there's a game like this where... You, you're, you're ahead, but feelings are terrible, and you know there's something broken about what's going on here, but you're going to win and get out of it, and then you get caught from behind and beaten a game like this, and I don't know how the Broncos recover from this uh, where they're at right now because the vibes could not be worse around this team, the coaching staff, and, of course, the quarterback who we can't... I know it's everyone's piling on Russ right now, but when you deliver a performance like that and you start the season like this, Patrick, there's no way to deny that his failures are a major part of the reason the Broncos are one of the biggest busts in football.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: He's a part of it. Nathaniel Hackett's a part of it.
1: Um, Melvin Gordon's fumbles, absolutely a part of it. Uh, the defense does not deserve this from the other side of the ball and the coaching staff. Uh, they have been so good. Uh, they, they lost a couple of guys last night. Uh, Garrett Bowles lost uh, last night as well, carted off. And so it's it's like both of those bad case scenarios, Dan, where you're talking about where you're ahead. And, right. And you somehow eek out of it but everybody's worried but also you guys get hurt also you lose in heartbreaking fashion and it's like where where are we going here we're committed now uh to this quarterback we're committed to this situation how 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 do you continue and all you can all you can really say is that the season is long the ball's not round and a bunch of weird stuff can happen and we've just seen it too many times right uh if you have talent then you're not out of it and we've seen Russ do this this is not like this is brian hoyer out here we've seen Russ be a good quarterback so you can at least hearken back to that. But what we've seen this season, no, it's been awful. It's been
3: bad. We, we've never seen him at this level. I think he's shown hints of it over the last couple of years. This is obviously him in a new system, but he's been in a lot of new systems. I mean, that's the thing is we've tried a million different systems to try to, like, figure out where Russ's weaknesses in terms of throwing over the middle and not seeing the whole field can match up with his, which is obvious strengths, And now the weaknesses are just like crazy there for everyone to see. Cause almost every single one of these third down throws where he dumped it off like Alex Smith, like, at his worst when it was like third and 13 and he's thrown at five yards, like they almost immediately showed someone wide open on the other side of the field and Russ just didn't hit, hit it. And there were like four or five throws that weren't close to anyone that were like way out of bounds or were hitting like a huge patch of grass where no one was there. The the most telling play to me was one where he was scrambling around in the red zone forever. And it was like, Oh, here's the, the old Russ. Like this is kind of a crazy old Russ play. And then at the very end of it, he just went Winged it as fast as I as he could, and it hit the play clock, and it just like hit the play clock at the back of the end zone and went like clunk. And I was just like, "What? What is happening here?" It's um like he, him and Ryan are two of the worst starters in the league right now, and that's just I just even me as a as a huge Russell Wilson skeptic uh, could not have expected anything. Couldn't couldn't you say the game became sort of beautiful in the
4: sense that, and I'm not saying like it was fun to watch, but no Thursday night football game this year has attached itself to bigger talking points at this point. We were watching Russell Wilson's, like, entire career change before our eyes over the course of one night, and I'm wondering if he'll ever return to what we thought, or if this is something, if you're a Broncos fan, you're thinking, we just married the wrong person. We just signed up for this guaranteed money for a long time, and if it doesn't get better, this thing is going to become as ugly as any story in the NFL.
1: Might have have married two of the wrong people.
2: Right, right. right. You can get rid of one of them. I think that's part of this this story here because I I also sense you could definitely go down the road uh, of Russ is washed or he's not close to the same guy he was anymore anymore and now that the data and the stats it's starting to back it up so it's like okay but he doesn't look comfortable in this offense and I still don't like I hated that last play call even though Hamler did flash wide open um, it just seems like the the whole scheme is out of whack, but it's also, I think to your point, Mark, kind of open season, Russ is a guy that people, and we're not innocent in this, like we've long kind of poked fun at Russ and, and his public, uh, the way he postures and the way he presents himself. And sometimes it comes off as inauthentic. Uh, and then you have on our own airwaves on NFL network, I want to play uh, Kyle Brandt. This is an example of like why this game as bad as it was to watch is weirdly good for football because it brings heat and it brings hmm. discussion. I think Russell Wilson is one of the least authentic personalities we have in this league. I think Russell Wilson is a poser. And that doesn't mean he's a bad person. I actually think he's a good person. I think he tries to be something that he's not. And when you make the $245 million, you either got to be a really great guy with the locker room who loves you or you got to be an amazing player. And then well, he wasn't done. He, he does not like Russell Wilson, Mr. Brand. You know, I, I work the, the NFL honors. I work the red carpet. Kelsey comes by. Rodgers comes by. Russell Wilson shows up with his sunglasses and his wife, and they I think they think they're, they're Jay-Z and Beyonce, and they will literally put their hand up and say, no, we're not talking. Why? It, it, because you think you're that cool, and you're that famous, and you're that amazing, and everything is so perfect. That does not work in a locker room unless you are really good or really, really good guy. Greg, we talked about in London the comparison and how it feels similar a rod and russell wilson alex rodriguez in baseball and and russell wilson in football there's just something about this guy so a game like that an island game where he sets himself on fire it was kind of the perfect stew for these type of reactions
3: Right, but it, and including from their defense. Their defense is balling out. They're like a top 3 or 4 defense. Baron Browning had one of the best games any pass rushers had all season last night. He had 10 pressures and 5 QB hits in 21 pass rushes. I've never heard of such a thing. Like they were they have been incredible. They, they that actually gives me some hope for this Broncos team cuz as bad as they've been, they look like they have a top 4 or 5 uh Defense, um, but we, you know, we've been annoying people with Russell Wilson takes for a while. Great, great. I, uh, I got you guys all upset last year uh, with the take. Let, let's listen to it, Justin Graver. Oh, Greg, I'm not, I'm not too high on Mac. I mean, Russell Wilson right now. To me, I don't want to be giving up first round a ton of first round picks for Russell Wilson right now. <laughs> uh, you know what? During the game Greg. last night, during the game last <laughs>
4: searching night, searching through the archives, I knew, I, I knew, and I wish I had sent this to you guys on Twitter or on, on text. I knew Greg was going to replay. A Russell Wilson tirade (laughs) from last season. I had no. I didn't even
3: remember this. This is great. Listen, Greg. The whole idea was, do you want? But it was it was a legitimate football argument because it was the whole idea was, would you trade a ton of first round picks for Russell Wilson? And I said, no, I would not trade him for any almost any of these first round picks. At this point, I think he's past that point of his career, and I'd take Mac Jones over Russell Wilson right. and you guys and you guys at all my mention. I wouldn't have remembered it, but I got a lot of uh, mentions. I, of it listen, I day. am. You are you're a on like, a
2: season left. You're yeah. you're on a bit of a heater, Greggy, and you deserve <laughs> this moment because Gino is balling out. Russell Wilson has sucked. So I am not going to say you shouldn't uh, call that up. That's good. Good job by you, Greggy. Let's see. But like Patrick j- just said, I want to see where we're at at the end of this season um, because I don't think Russ is this bad. I don't I don't think he's washed, but I will say Nathaniel Hackett, and we should move on. But my last thought on this game and then anybody else that wants to chime in, I think he's on a hot seat already. I think it doesn't happen a lot. We've talked about this, a one and done coach. But if this is the way this holds and you have Russ under contract and it doesn't work this year, first thing you're going to do is start over on the coaching staff. I, I would not be surprised uh, if that happens, if this stays the course. Because that would be ugly. Can I say one little thing about Kyle Brant and NFL honors? The, Dan, you and I used to cover that,
4: um, and it was a chore. Let's be honest. But uh, the first time mm-hmm. I ever did, it was right after Russell Wilson's first season, and I waited around for 30 minutes um, to to interview him. And and he couldn't. He it wasn't because of him that I waited. It was just the way it went. He couldn't have been nicer, kinder, more humble. He was a totally different mm-hmm. person. So to hear what happened with Kyle Brant and him, I think that speaks to the change of the Russell Wilson experience and what he's done in his life since then. I do think it's probably a nice person, but there's a lot of artificial substance going on there.
1: Or it could have just been an accurate portrayal of an event that took place. Like at any point somebody could meet me and I could be a certain way and they could say, all right, that's, that's Patrick Clavon, Right. The, the idea that Russ is uniquely disingenuous when it comes to NFL quarterbacks is kind of weird to me because it's not like all of these guys are, are really giving us the 100% truth about how they feel about a given thing. I, I think the other quarterback on the field would be a clear example of that uh, last night as well. And it, mm. it, it kind of drives home the fact that we don't really know any of these guys. And in terms of, like, how it works in a locker room, Percy Harvin knocked out his teammate. And then they went out there and won the Super Bowl. If you execute, it doesn't matter. Like, people work with people that they don't like all of the time. Like, sometimes it just goes south. As for why, like, Sherm and Doug Baldwin and all these guys have such vitriolic energy for Russ when he, like, threw a pick on the goal line, like, why it's that intense, I don't really know because I don't know these people. And I think, like, it's very important for all of us to remember that despite the interaction, despite the exposure, despite the access that we have, we don't necessarily know these people. And I feel like sometimes the pendulum swings back a little too hard and we're really getting after Russ when he doesn't have, like, sexual assault accusations. He's not lobbying for people to not take a vaccine. He's not doing these other things. People are going, like, pretty hard on Russ right now, and yeah. i just –
2: it, I, it I'm with you on head that. Head. That is a clay bomb. Everybody, get under the table, duck for <laughs> for cover. Because uh, I'm with you too. I, it, it, but there's something about him that just whatever for whatever reason. Uh, makes him a target and, and well his game get is him.
3: also divisive and i think it always has been i think there's always been people that thought like that if you're a real f- football guy and you want quarterbacks to be a certain way like he's had these shortcomings and now they're coming out a, a little more i did want to just support your point on the coach dan and point out this ownership well if you're supporting hire. my point then go on yes This ownership did not hire Nathaniel Hackett. I think that's really important in terms of the timeline. And they did give Russell Wilson a somewhat unnecessary contract. I would say totally unnecessary. He had two years left on his contract already, making him one of the higher paid quarterbacks in the league. And they extended that thing five more years at a time that was unnecessary uh, but the ownership did give him that money they did not hire nathaniel hackett so i think that supports your your Hackett could be one and done idea. gc gc good call all right before we move on um i thought the only true
2: positive to come out of thursday night football was al michaels <laughs> who doesn't care like there's nothing you can do I don't, how many billions of dollars is Amazon worth? The the bosses in the highest levels of American corporate society. There is nothing anybody could tell 75 year old Al Michaels uh, on Friday morning. uh, Oh, you've been too critical of the game. We want to keep people engaged. Don't tell them the product is bad. I don't care. Um, So I want to, this is how I'll start with this. Here's Al Michaels calling the end of first half field goal going to break. Well. What do you know? Six-three. We are back in a half minute. <laughs> how about how about an Al Michaels uh, real? How about that? Al Michaels is annoyed. Real type of game you'd like to have in the fifth regional on CBS on Sunday. <laughs> Lest anyone think we couldn't find highlights, we did six-three. Denver at the half, nine <laughs> points tied for the third fewest in the first half of the game this season. Third. Yep. Forgive me for getting excited here. We haven't seen
1: a lot of... No, I, I, I get you. I, mean,
2: I was like, yeah. wow. Right. That was beautiful. You know, I'm only half kidding, but sometimes a game can be, at least at this point, so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> <You don't, laughs> you know no I'm, I'm saying. not feeling that just no, over no. here. No, the game is like sort of bad. It's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's yeah. not good. Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: good performance by Michael's. <laughs> Bad performance by everybody else connected with the game. Herb it's Street's totally like, crazy. what? What's Al, going on Al here? Is in, Al is in like this great place in his career where you can't you can't tell him nothing. Even even Roger Goodell, if he's watching that broadcast like last night, I think is laughing at, at Al. He knows. Um, all right. <laughs>
2: Okay. It always goes on about six seconds longer than I expect. Uh, It is time that every week we each of us takes a turn. The floor is ours. It is our time to shine. In a segment has been rechristened in the name of Chris Wessling. It's about me. It's about me. And I want to talk about. It's my turn. I want to talk about fan entitlement. Um, I grew up in New York as the rarest of birds a fan of the Jets in football and the Yankees in baseball. I have lived in opulence, and I have lived in squalor as a fan. Uh, my teen years, which are kind of the most formative in sports fandom, featured a 1996 to 2000 stretch, where the Yankees won four World Series titles. And that drift for the Yankees has, has slowed considerably this century, but I get and I know that I'm entitled, that I'm blessed in that realm the Yankees start another playoff run on Tuesday. They haven't had a losing record since 1992. Then there's my Jets fandom, uh, which has included zero Super Bowl appearances in 42 years on this planet and counting. Uh, and that's been the yin to my Yankees yang. I've lived on both sides of the coin, my friends, is what I'm trying to say. And I bring this up because the scene at Mile High last night, it got on my radar a little bit. Uh, Broncos fans are pissed. They booed their team after the first drive stalled in the red zone. Uh, This has been a common occurrence really since the beginning of the year. Uh, The boos only got louder there as Denver stumbled through one of the more grotesque offensive performances that we could remember. And um, well, maybe the Colts was somehow worse on Thursday, but you get it. Um, And the booing part is fine to me. Uh, I know that not everyone believes in that, Um, but I believe that's within a, a paying customer's right to express dissatisfaction where you pay obscene amounts of money and then the performance doesn't seem to match uh, what you uh, paid for or what you were expecting. Uh, It's sports, but I do take issue with the shot by Amazon of the stream, the steady stream of Broncos fans exiting the building uh, as overtime was set to begin. um, And I understand they had every right to be disgusted by Denver's performance through four quarters, but bailing on a tie game at the coin toss is to me the peak of fan entitlement. And just a reminder, this is an organization with eight Super Bowl appearances tied with the Cowboys and Steelers for second most all-time, only behind the Patriots. Three Super Bowl wins, including a Super Bowl 50 triumph in 2016, not too long ago. You're the team of John Elway, You're the team on the right side of the history for the drive and the fumble. You got the temporary euphoria of Tebow mania. You landed Peyton Manning in the greatest (laughs) free agent sweepstakes of all time. Even the Russell Wilson trade. As bad as it looks right now, when it happened, I can tell you from personal experience that the have-nots of football uh, felt envy for a Broncos organization that always seems to keep itself in the picture now think about being a fan of the jets or the browns or the commanders or the chargers or the texans or the panthers or the falcons or the lions or any other team that doesn't have a quarter of the history the glory the juice of a broncos fan so boo the team go ahead sure they're playing like hell and you paid a lot of money to watch them that's whatever but walking out on the team in a tie game entering overtime cry me a river you should see how the other half lives.
1: Mm. The, the clapping is the sound of the <laughs> the ruler hitting their knuckles. <laughs> right, get, get back in the game. What are you doing? Our,
3: oh, our audio listeners really should check this uh, show out on YouTube because uh, the, the stream of the viewer commenters uh, was, was making me laugh, and I enjoyed it, and it adds a lot to the... I like uh, Blake Wingo, old man yells at cloud. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> Whatever, Blake. <laughs> it's,
3: it's old man yells at crowd, is what we're looking Ooh, for. Ooh, I like we? that. I, yeah, it's a it's hard. It's hard <laughs> uh, Over time, that's a tough, tough spot. I, uh, I'm with you. Although, I do think, uh, as someone who's lost a little bit of juice after seeing their team reach the absolute uh, pinnacle, uh, you know, once you've seen the mountains, once you've seen the very best, it's like, oh, well, probably never going to get there again. It's hard to get, get the engines revved. I'm up with you, Dan. High. Like, I, mm. you know, I lived in Denver for mm.
4: years, and I do think in general the Broncos fans historically have been like a top five fan base um, and not ultra annoying, to be honest. Like, I I, I just think they're passionate. I kind of take an um, issue with what I saw last night, too, as you do, but I kind of think what's happened with the Broncos – um, their games have been so public, uh, the crowd reaction from the minute that they started counting down the sh- the, the, the play clock. I mean, they, all this stuff has almost become like a public circus and coliseum to go and react to the team this way. And I think that you wouldn't have in another game of this nature the crowd shots and the, and the camera selection that they use from the very beginning. This thing started to really stink up the joint. But leaving, I'm with you, too. I think if you're in overtime, what are you doing? How everyone knows, like, I had, a, I had a friend whose dad took his sons to game six of the Mets Red Sox World Series and they left early and that's on you for the rest of your life. Ooh. So you just, I'm not saying this this game was a disaster, but like you don't bail if you're in the stadium in overtime. I'm with you on that.
2: Uh, let's check in with the uh, people watching live. Any uh, questions, comments, hit it up, Grave Gravedigger. Jay Tweeter asked, where does last night rank in the pantheon of (laughs) horrific games? You know, Greg, you're very good at this stuff. I know there's been a lot of bad ones. Thursday night uh, has been the home of a lot of bad games. Is there one that kind of sticks out
3: to you as somehow worse than this? No, because it didn't cross over into the so bad, it's good realm, which are the ones I enjoy, like so ugly. It's good. I think the fact that there's these two like potential hall of fame quarterback, like it made it unfun. It never got to the fun place. Even Al said that at one point, like they were like, kinda, this, are we, are we it's getting kinda to depressing, a of so- Right? Yeah, yeah. It just was sad.
2: Like my kids, my kids are starting to get into watching sports. Now uh, Jack's turned eight and Harry's five and a half, six, and he just likes what his brother likes. And I actually, they have time for their bath and sometimes I'll, I'll tell Emily, I'll be like, let them let him watch the end of the game. In this case, I was like, no, there's nothing to be gained here from them watching this game. It was just kind of a sad, sad game. What else do we got? Dan, this is from Greg Scamado. Uh, just double G there, Greggy. Dan, how early is it to call a team moribund are the Panthers there now? Uh usually moribund. It's more a feel. There's no designation, but it usually comes in the second half of the season when there's no hope. Hope has to be totally lost for a team to be moribund on the flagship program. Justin Swanson asks, who's the worst 2 win team? Uh, Patrick, you got this one. Rams, Jets, Broncos.
1: Oh, that's who? Well, you got a couple of you got it's with uh, <laughs> Matt Stafford hurt right now I, I'm I'm gonna lean Rams like he's he was spraying the ball uh Ooh. not to the extent that Russ was spraying the ball but but almost kind of yeah I, I think the Jets are, are better too in team uh considering the opponents right now perhaps Wild. I mean maybe I'll feel mm. different after you know maybe cooper rush the the slippers come off a little bit uh but yeah the, uh, I'll go with the Rams right here
3: yeah all
2: right uh jonathan webster
3: greg what's the story behind the owl painting behind you <laughs> that's a good one too uh, um you know my my grandfather heinz rosenthal painted that uh i don't know if there's much more of a story is o- that true other than, yeah you know that's he was great. he was a painter and we've got many many and the reason why this one's out is my daughter loves owls and uh i've rotated what's you know and so it's been out in the house for the last few years where's so. your artwork Are you, do you have something going on quietly I am not artistically inclined, unfortunately. I'm a huge that's a lie d- disappointment in that realm. I tried. I was always terrible. My brother is a you know a, virtuoso a, a, musician, extremely talented musician. I always wanted that, but I it's not in me. It's not in me. He great greatest sandbagging.
1: Fantasy. He's sandbagging.
3: Yeah,
2: no. absolutely. He was also in a um, a Prague rock uh, ska band. So he has musical talent as well. Right? I was also People's best show.
3: director one act plays um, my my freshman year in high school. How about that? Yes. there you go. Robbie <laughs> asks question for the heroes. Mark, I want you to handle this one. Would you all change
2: your preseason playoff predictions at this quarter point through the year?
4: No, I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with what I picked. I also don't recall what I picked, so it would be a strange exercise.
2: <laughs> to... <laughs> Right. I would stick with it because for the same reason, I don't want to go check, but I'm pretty sure I had the Colts and
3: Broncos in the playoffs. So we probably change that. I'm feeling good. I got I got the Eagles over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I want this thing to right. end right, right All now. All right. Throw to another clip, Greg.
2: <laughs> no right. Broncos. One more. In Nugget Jr., in honor of last night's game, can we get a quarter season pain, pain rankings? Um, I would have to think about that one. So no. Next. <laughs> That's just that's pretty that's off the top of my dome. But thank you, Nugget Junior. And I like your avatar. Looks like a nice mustache. Avery Baum is Russ
3: the new line on the Dalton scale. No, that's a that's he he wouldn't be because he's always been above it. And now right now I I think it's fair to say he's well below it uh, for the way he's played this year. He's sink he's sinking his team. Uh, so the Dalton scale guy has to be someone who's. You know, nice and steady, right towards the middle. I think Kirk Cousins is settling into. Ryan Tannehill, mindset. maybe. All right, it is time
2: now for the Greg Rosenthal Week Five Injury Watch, presented by Acroshore, a non-FDA approved supplement for men seeking to shed man boobs in
3: middle age. Maybe <laughs> I could. I could We're use sure. that. Send me a little accuracy. Uh, Miles Garrett looks like he's back, not on the injury report. Jadavian Clowney, though, is uh, questionable. Brian Robinson looks like he will be playing just about five weeks after getting those two gunshots in his leg. He practiced on Friday. That'll be confirmed later in the week. Daniel Jones is starting that game over in London. That's good. But he will be without Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Wandell Robinson. Uh, Jair Alexander will be back for the Packers in that game, which is great news. I thought he might be out a little while. Zay Jones is back for the Jaguars this week. Kyle Pitts is out. Get him out of your fantasy lineup. Amon Ross St. Brown was back at practice Friday. Might play for the Lions. Isaiah McKenzie has a concussion still in the protocol. Dawson Knox is out. So the Bills are rather shorthanded on both sides of the ball and your uh, lock is looking pretty good Dan no Sam Cosmi for the Washington Commanders they're missing three starting offensive linemen they're also missing Jahan Dotson who's out with a hamstring i like the titans in that game
2: too i kind of like you. the move potentially and i greg i know when you were in your uh, heyday picking games i think you were someone who liked to do this find a team that you know sucks and then anytime they're in the lock zone you just lock i might just lock against Washington <laughs> 10 times between now and january this, we'll will, see this will be, this be my fourth
3: time in five weeks locking against the Cardinals. So I'm I'm two and one so far. We'll see if that works out. That's your thing. That's your move. All right. Before
2: we say goodbye, uh, let's do our hero picks. We're going to uh, uh, first cycle back to last week. Mark, you said Zach Wilson. What was the prediction of Zach? Wilson? I, would,
4: I really was just sort of egging egging him on to rise up to the challenge, be a hero, guide the Jets to victory and change the way we think about him. And I think he did that. Check the box.
2: That's, yeah, a, you that's a it. hard check. That's a hard check. Big old green check mark for Ceci. Uh, Greg, you had Ryan Tannehill would do well or something along those lines. <laughs> um, I'm taking
3: the L. They were three and a half point underdogs. And they won the game. I thought he played well. I mean, taking the W. Yeah, I believe I just right. gave myself an L. I
2: had Andy Dalton would play well <laughs> in London and then be able to leverage that into holding on to the Saints job. Man, if Will lets his field goal goes through the uprights and then they win in overtime and then he wins again. Maybe, but that's not how it played out. Andy I Don't. mean, he going to start for them this week. Yeah, but two good quarters was not my prediction. I predicted a win and high-level play, so I'll take the L there. All right, now, week five predictions. Before we say goodbye, Patrick Claybon, you're not even a guest to me. Uh, you are well, thanks, a member of the ATN family, so we always love you. Said, you've almost said it all, but you need to share your prediction for week five.
1: Yeah, let's get let's get bold. People in this fantasy world were frustrated about Travis Etienne's production. He gets in the end zone twice. I guess two Houston Texans, two touchdowns for Travis Etienne.
2: Beautiful, Ooh. I like that. All right, I have Ceci, a, I
4: have a double ten prediction, and um, it's result based. Uh, the Jets are going to beat Miami by ten plus points. Zach Wilson is
2: gonna. <laughs> You're all over the Jets this I, well, year and I this love this it. This is just the what I saw Jets this morning. Legs.
4: Zach Wilson, three hundred and fifty plus yards, four touchdowns, and this part two: the Ooh. Falcons are going to beat the Bucks by 10-plus points and not even make it look close.
2: All right. Whoa. You, you just made that really hard on yourself, but I admire the moxie. Uh, Greg <laughs>
3: Rosenthal. All right. My prediction is just that Travis Kelsey wrecks shop against the Raiders. It's like all these other tight end come along lately. Oh, Darren Waller is going to be the future. Oh, Kyle Pitts is going to be the future. Oh, like here's this guy, this guy. Who's still the best tight end in the freaking NFL? It's Travis Kelsey. He's on pace to have one of his very best seasons ever. Travis oh. Kelsey. Still, he still got the championship. Wait, though, what is that? In. But what's your prediction? Because I'm mean, seeing this was, uh, this was hero of the week. Good. He's the hero. He's the hero.
2: The sun's going to rise in the east. What does that mean, though? He's going to be is, fantastic. What, how do we decide whether that does he need to win the game or what? I mean, what you're not mean?
3: giving me Ryan Tannehill from a week ago. That's BS. I just checked his PFF score. <laughs> it's 70. That's over the bar of like, yeah, you were pretty darn good. What? <laughs> I mean, you have
2: so many things going your way, Greg, right now. Uh, <laughs> between Gino and Russ. Like Tony Soprano once said, uh, you got two Virginia hams under each arm and you're crying <laughs> poverty on that. <laughs> I will go with, I don't like this one. This one's not positive, but the more we, the closer we get to Sunday, the more I hate the Detroit Lions going to New England. Uh, I think Bill Belichick, even with a compromised offensive situation at quarterback, sees holes all over uh, that he could exploit and attack. And I'm predicting 200-plus rushing yards for the Patriots and a win that drops the team of ATN into moribund territory.
1: No, this is the fun show, Dan. Right, I yeah, this is, you I
2: can't can be only picking against a team the team around the NFL.
3: It's gonna be fun for Greg and all the other Patriots minions. This is um, this is Dan's like move. I remember I used to do this quite often with teams of around the NFL. He would never really get on board and he would pick against them regularly. Wait,
2: whoa, 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 pump the brakes. I love the Lions
3: i did a whole hard knocks podcast on them i I really enjoyed them then you could quietly believe that they were gonna lose and not put it out into the universe on the show you could choose anything i want to change my
1: prediction now i want to change my prediction now
3: jared Goff three touchdowns lions uh,
2: a prediction off good you know what i'll trade that i'd rather be wrong than right but i'm just saying it's just the feeling it's in the air and i don't love it I do love everyone that uh, came and joined us on the Friday Fun Show working title today. Uh, thank you for following along with everything we do. Next time you see us on NFL Network, it will be our preview show, which they put on the network uh, every Saturday morning. And then Sunday, the flagship program recapping everything that happened in the Sunday that was in our.
3: Check out uh, Claybon and I on Game Day View too. Friday afternoon, we'll be picking some games. By the way, people I are saying Greg you, it, you baby. on
4: your Kelsey prediction, you did not hang onions, you hung shallots. So I don't, you know, take that into your weekend. Mm.
3: Well, I'm 0 for four, so I need, I need something. Tiny need something. gonads. Until Sunday, <laughs>
2: heed the call.
1: leesacom dot com slash iHeart.